Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello dog lovers and welcome to Dogs With Jobs. I'm Kate Fairweather, it's great to have you along and I've got rather an interesting one today, very interesting, not one but two dogs called Bess and Buster and the reason I encountered and heard about them was actually because I was interviewed about this show uh, by the lovely Joe Good on BBC Radio London and Grant Miller, who's my interviewee today, uh, was also interviewed on the same show and that's how I encountered him. Um, because he's not actually local to Peacefield, so we're a bit out of area today. Um, But I thought it was so interesting and so unusual in the UK because Bess and Buster are conservation dogs. And uh, conservation dogs is a broad, broad category. Uh, They use them a great deal in the US and in Australia, and they can be used in very many ways, dogs within the conservation world. They can be used to keep down invasive species in the sense of rats or rabbits or those sorts of things. They can be used as sniffer dogs to sniff out particular invasive uh, species in the plant world. Um, And they can be used in the way that Bess and Buster are going to be used um, in the uh, fight against the criminal trafficking of wildlife. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word pangolin. (laughs) It's not one we use all the time, but the pangolin um, is the animal um, that Bess and Buster are charged with tracking down. And uh, we'll hear about it from Grant in a minute, who is in charge of this aspect of conservation um, and who is incredibly knowledgeable on dogs and their use in conservation for the Zoological Society of London. Now, you've perhaps been to London Zoo, as many of us have as children, but the London Zoo is just one relatively small aspect of what the Zoological Society of London does. So it was a real thrill to speak to him. And um, we had a chat over Zoom. There'd been some toing and froing about meeting Bess and Buster, and I'm hoping to meet them, but at the point that I'm recording this, uh, we haven't managed it yet. So it's sitting as a rather fascinating discussion on how the Metropolitan Police have collaborated with the Zoological Society of London to train up a kind of hybrid dog that's on the one hand a detection dog, and on the other hand working in the field of detection in a way that assists conservation and um, Grant explains it uh, in the interview but but basically uh, we're talking about Thailand because Thailand is geographically in between Vietnam and China which are the two big markets for pangolins um, and the trading of them and of course like any illegal trafficking whether it be of uh, people or ivory or whatever it may be there's money involved and so there's also an aspect of safety for the dogs as well that we touch on during the interview so i hope you enjoy it um, it was conducted over zoom so i'm kind of breaking my own rule here because i do like to be out with the dogs when they're working but the truth is uh, i couldn't actually be with Bess and Buster when they're working in Thailand, though I was hoping to, and we may yet, uh, see them before they actually fly out in May. So enjoy and indeed marvel at the breadth of jobs that dogs increasingly do and the areas in which they help us mere humans. Enjoy. Now I'm super excited to be speaking to Grant Miller at the Zoological Society of London about two very special dogs because they've 
they're going to be doing an extremely interesting and unusual and very important job overseas uh, in the, uh, well, very near future. Grant, tell us about the dogs. What are their names? Yes, so we have Bess and Buster, uh, two uh, working dogs, two Labradors that come from Gundog Lines, who have been trained by the Metropolitan Police. And the role that they will be playing is combating the illegal trade in pangolins on the Indo-Burma Peninsula. Uh, They will be based in Thailand, but we will be looking for them to try and detect pangolins, which are scaly mammals, um, within the road network as they travel up the peninsula into Thailand's northern neighbours. Now, let's get some perspective here then for anyone who may not have considered the pangolin or indeed know what it is. Thank you for explaining. Why is the pangolin the focus of, of so much effort here? Well, it is the most trafficked animal globally and probably one of the least well-known. We're all very familiar of elephants and rhinos, but the pangolin is the most trafficked animal. We believe that one is poached every five minutes. Uh, So an incredible amount of these animals are being taken. And we actually know very little about them uh, because they are so timid, they're nocturnal. Where they live has been difficult for scientists to study them. They're almost unknown. Uh, There's so many questions that we still need to know about this species, and yet we're losing them at a rapid rate. There are eight pangolin species in total. Four are found in Asia. Four are found in Africa, and uh, they are being pillaged. Um, They've traditionally been used for medicinal purposes as well as the the pangolin meat uh, is eaten. Um, I think they had a brief moment of fame, didn't they, at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, when that was briefly a kind of, uh, you know, could it have been pangolin sort of thing? I think that's how a lot of people will have heard the name pangolin, because they're in, so unusual, aren't they? They're unusual in the... Very, very unusual. And again, you know, we have to, to look at that. They are sold in the wet markets in China. And obviously, as we become more informed about COVID, it looks as though you know bats were potentially the, mm. the, the uh, source. Um, yeah, but they are traded, they are eaten, they are wild animals. And, and like all wild animals, they do carry uh, disease, which potentially could be uh, harmful. So we're better leaving them in the wild to eat their ants and get on with what they do. And tell me, why is Thailand a focus when it comes to the trafficking of pangolins? Um, Thailand is key in, in where it sits on that peninsula. We know that there it's a country of range, so the pangolins are uh, live in uh, Thailand. They also live further down in Malaysia. But also uh, globally, it has the seaports, the infrastructure, which sees these large amounts of pangolin scales being trafficked from Africa into countries of demand. And and the countries of demand very much are Thailand's neighbours, Vietnam, Laos, uh, Myanmar, where uh, these species are uh, sought. So, so Grant, this is something that must have been a huge area of concern for conservation for a long time. Um, 
And I know that you've got multi-strand strategies when it comes to combating trafficking. Tell us, where do the dogs fit in? So the dogs are a key focus. Intelligence-led enforcement is what we and and the Thai uh, authorities will be looking to deploy. And intelligence at the moment is telling us live animals are being trafficked up the peninsula. Looking at how the animals travel, it's quite clear that the road network is being used. Thailand has had a huge amount of investment in its road network, in its development, uh, etc. And that's now being used to move these dogs along these routes. So what we will be looking to do is to deploy the dogs along with the Department of National Parks at key border points and key locations within the road network to actually intercept and tackle uh, the the trafficking. We're also working with uh, the land transport associations within Thailand to build a community of support to to help fight the illegal wildlife trade and obviously to try and harness more intelligence to make sure our deployments are successful. And, and tell me, is this something that you've tried before? I mean, I know that cons- I mean, dogs are hugely widely used in conservation, I know, in all manner of ways, whether it's keeping down vermin or searching for invasive species or, you know, there are many roles that dogs can have in this context. But we're talking detection here, aren't we? We're very much looking at detection and disrupting the organised criminals. So within the the region, it's the first time that that dogs specifically looking for pangolins will be be used. So that's innovative. And it's right that ZSL is part of that, as we hold the pangolin specialist group for IUCN. Uh, So it very much is important that we, in collaboration with our partners, are supporting this and and helping the the disruption. We're really grateful to the Metropolitan Police who have been happy to share their expertise and their training of the dogs on our behalf. And to even in Somerset Constabulary who provided us a, a dog handler to go out and conduct a training needs assessment of the existing dog unit in Thailand and was able to really... Um, completely modernise their training approach. That's very interesting. So there is an existing dog section in Thailand, but in effect, you're bringing together expertise from all over the UK, splicing it with your own expertise as an organisation and coming up with rather a specific approach for this situation of trafficking of pangolins. Yeah, the the dog unit in Thailand, uh, you know, it it was disrupted very heavily by COVID. The the dogs were not allowed to deploy. The officers couldn't get them out for for just over two years, which within a working dog's life is not good. The the dogs have been loved for, they've been cared, food, water, exercise. There would be an atrophying of skills, presumably, if you had a two-year gap like anyone. Yeah, they're now of an age where actually... They, they just need to retire and enjoy their retirement. Um, so it's about injecting new quality dogs into the programme to allow it uh, to have that step forward and, and for us to, to bring UK expertise and, and modern training aspects mm-hmm. to the programme uh, 
That's amazing. That's so exciting. Now, just before I start asking about what a day will look like for Bess and Buster once they're out there, um, did you mention that that they were from guide dog stock? Did I hear you right? Dog, gun dog stock. Oh, gun dog stock. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no they, that they, makes they, perfect sense. Okay. Yeah, no, the breeders that we're working with who've been able to source the, the dogs, you know, uh, a lot of our business is, is providing to, to the, the gun dog hunting uh, community. So it's great to get dogs from such great bloodlines. You know, they, yes. they are like Olympic athletes. That's what we're looking for. Uh, to deploy understood uh, to give it the best best possible chance of success will just longer term uh, you know will bess and buster perhaps breed sort of you know is is the intention to create generations of detection dogs or is this upskilling <laughs> new dogs that are introduced in in the Thai dog section just out no, of interest um, just uh, both uh, bess and buster have been spayed and neutered uh, so that they'll not be be bred from but they will have a working life uh, within Thailand and then be retired uh, within Thailand uh, to, to have okay. a happy so it's kind of knowledge transfer knowledge transfer and an initial proof of concept so these will be the dogs that hopefully uh, will prove the point that there is a risk that you know the trafficking is taking place that we can disrupt the crime groups and then we hope that maybe this is the little seed that will grow the dog unit further and help it get back to uh, you know, a, a really efficient, uh, well-run and disruptive force uh, tackling the trade. What an absolutely fantastic project. I mean, there's so much to it, isn't there? Tell me, when when Bess and Buster get there... Now, I'm assuming that like any detection dog, they would have been trained with probably tennis balls and found finding and locating particular objects and rewarding. Do I assume that their training will be extended and built on once they get to Thailand uh, with learning the, the aromas and the scent to look for for pangolins? And I'm assuming dead pangolins and pangolin scales as well. Is that right? That's it, exactly. So they've been trained using Kong uh, in the UK with the reward being their, their ball. That's what we are looking for. And they will be travelling out with their skill level at being detecting Kong. When we, we get them out to Thailand, they will have two weeks uh, sensitisation you know, to the new smells, the new environment, uh, and settle in with uh, a Metropolitan Police dog handler. Uh, that, that will just get the dogs settled. Two weeks after that, we will then commence uh, the scent training by associating the scent to Kong and then ultimately removing the Kong and leaving the scent. Tell me about what, what they can expect when they get out there then. So you've got this kind of couple of weeks of of just just getting used to their new environment. They'll have the consistency of the Metropolitan Police Handler with them. Yes, indeed, throughout. Uh, so, so all the training will be delivered and the mentoring will come from the, the police. Um, the dogs, we hope by the end of the, the fourth week, will be able to go on a deployment, which we will monitor. And part of the training will be around the safe deployment of the dogs, both at airports, seaports and on the, the road network. 
so that the dogs can be worked safely, that, that both the dog and the handler is safe working in potentially uh, risky areas if, if you're not vigilant. Uh, yeah. And that training and, and all the, the procedures that will be implemented will be aligned with best practice from the United Kingdom and the College of Policing. So that's the standard that we're setting for the ties. We want these dogs to be worked in, in a manner and in the conditions that the UK police would work their protector dogs. And if I can ask, Grant, I'm assuming that I know the Metropolitan Police has a very sophisticated dog section and it's one of the it's it's the largest in, in the country, I believe. So presumably uh, you will have welfare guidelines for Bess and for Buster um, and their life in Thailand. Will they be will they be where will they be living and will they work together or will they go and work separately? Because I guess you've got you've got double strength there, haven't you, with two dogs? Or- yeah, indeed. I think um, you know, the dogs will at times work together and other times they will work separately. And that will be down to the operational intelligence that's coming in and the, and the risk as we perceive it. Um, the dogs will live down in Chonburi, uh, not far from Pattaya. Uh, I've visited there personally. Lovely, dedicated uh, dog unit uh, training facility that is based right next to the Department of National Parks, one of their protected areas. So it's a beautiful, beautiful area uh, where the dogs will be homed. And then they'll be deployed from there uh, across the the national uh, rail network in uh, deployments that will be monitored uh, by ZSL, we're recruiting someone in uh, who whose role will be that liaison officer between the dog unit, ZSL, to make sure that we understand how the dogs are working, how, what problems we may encounter, what do we need to think about for future things, but also to ensure that we can celebrate the success and actually promote the methodology of using dogs uh, to tackle the illegal pangolin trade. I mean, I, I think you're saying this is new for you as an organisation. We've done dog work elsewhere. Spe- dogs specifically scenting on pangolin is new. That's something that, that uh, in particular, uh, within the detection community, um, ZSL were involved in dogs in Mongolia. We've supported units elsewhere. So we have a long history in working with animals to to combat the illegal trade but in thailand this is this is a very much a new focused uh, program brand new resources in the dogs and actually taking the training from perhaps the 1970s up to what is now expected how dogs are trained now um, and how the handler interacts with the dogs so that actually if you have an Olympic athlete that's a dog, it's going to perform a lot better. So it's yeah. getting... You want to keep it in top-notch condition and top-notch motivation, don't you? Culturally, um, is it common to see dogs used in this way elsewhere? Sort of say in, in the police or security type roles? Yeah, very much so. We've been fortunate we've delivered training in the past uh, about a year ago to the Royal Thai Police, to their canine unit, which is in Bangkok. Uh, they have over 100 dogs there working on everything from explosives to narcotics. Um, and we were able to work with them in what was a fantastic training facility. 
Uh, we've gone, we've delivered uh, training with Avon and Somerset Constabulary, a dog handler from there. Uh, again, a lot of the input was in modernising their training and making sure that they understood the principles of working from Kong before introducing a scent. We also looked at uh, the storage of their samples to make sure that potential contamination uh, wasn't occurring in dogs actually indicating on something that wasn't the, the item that we wanted. Uh, and, and it was great to work with that organisation. We were with them for over a week. Uh, so, yeah, a, a really great experience and a relationship we are continuing to, to build and Amazing. hope to work with them again. And I guess that, I mean, in essence, the, the illegal trafficking of wildlife, it's a similar problem to drugs and cash and all the other sorts of things that you'd see detection dogs used for within the police routinely. I guess it's not different in that sense. It's just novel. And as you say, it sounds as though this could be just the start. If, if this is a big success, where do you think it could go? Well, ideally, we would like to see it grow in Thailand, but we would also hope to promote the programme and the methodology of working with neighbouring countries, perhaps countries of demand, uh, to try and, and build their capacity and, and share learning. Uh, yes, it helps using dogs, it helps tackle the trade, but also it builds relationships between governments, between police forces that cross-border collaboration uh, to tackle the organised crime groups is beneficial. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, dogs, as you well know, Kate, you know, they, they bring people together. Uh, and they and hopefully that will be that that um, convening power, we'll call it. Bess and Buster can be a convening power for good in Thailand. Yeah, ambassadors, if you will. Indeed. I think of conservation in general as a benign thing, but this area of conservation, really, it's with illegal trafficking. I mean, it's organised crime, isn't it? It, 100%. The motivating factors for the crime are the same as you would see in narcotics or any other crime. It's about money. These things are being trafficked for money because there's financial gain. And what we're working at with, with people at the Royal Foundation, His Royal Highness the Duke of Cambridge or Prince of Wales, as, as he is now, uh, to actually track those financial flows and disrupt and take the money out of the, the crimes uh, so it very much is a collaboration. Bess and Buster are a small part of the mechanisms that we're in. You know, the zoo, uh, its Institute of Zoology, the science, the research that goes on dovetails uh, in the conservation of species. But if people are taking those species at a rate that is then impacting on our conservation work, then we have to do something. And, and that's my role to, to connect law enforcement globally and try and push them in the right direction, share knowledge when appropriate, support where appropriate, uh, and really just try to, to build a force that, that is trying to do good. Which is enormously, enormously worthy and worthwhile. We've talked about the trafficking and the value of, yeah, on the, I assume, black market of pangolins. Um, Presumably, they also have their role within the um, eco-chain, don't they? So yeah, why, yeah. Do, why do we care about pangolins? Why do we care about pangolins? 
one of the first thing is, yeah, they, of course they have a role. As, as all animals in the world and as all species, they have a role. They are they predate, they eat ants, but obviously they're hunted and predated themselves. Something or cats, big cats, etc., could take them potentially where where they are. We still know very little about the pangolin, how it interacts, what benefits it gives uh, to uh, an environment. How does it interact with the plants, the animals? If it's eating something, you know, that does it scat? Then uh, you know, uh, sort of create uh, an environment that other things can grow. We just don't know. And at the rate we're losing them, it's a piece of knowledge as to how that animal interacts and its role within the food chain, within the environment uh, that we'll lose. And it will just be that bit of knowledge as well as actually, you know, the the, the animal itself we could potentially lose. <laughs> OK, well, that's so interesting. I wish you all the best with the project. Uh, I love the novelty of it. But as you say, it's uh, it's a wonderful example of how dogs could be used in the furtherance of conservation in this particular um, rather niche area, I guess. Um, yeah, it's it's exciting, exciting moment. Um, can we can we come back and talk again, maybe in a year's time and see how it's going? We'd be delighted, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, our team at ZSL will keep you informed of Bess and Buster's successes. That would be lovely. And indeed, just, just the experience. I mean, we're starting to, yeah, it, it's seeing how these sorts of projects work out is very interesting. Um, I, I'm going off on a tangent here, Grant, but no, no, <laughs> some of the most interesting conversations have actually been about experience experiments that you know work or don't work or work but aren't financially viable or do you know what I mean it's it's and it's very much nothing ventured nothing gained and there's so much to gain here isn't there well we're looking at the world you know it's difficult within the the world to look anywhere and see something that's being overly successful Uh, we are destroying the world at a rapid rate of knots we are seeing animals go extinct uh, at rates never uh, been seen before and we need people to waken up and actually understand that this is our world if we destroy it what happens next so hopefully best and buster can be those ambassadors that that can actually help and bring about change and connect people for what we're doing but but this isn't done in isolation this is not about or ZSL doing you know, a great bit of work. It's about partnership. It's about collaboration. It's about bringing the Metropolitan Police, even in Somerset Constabulary, uh, other animal behaviourists. You know, we're working alongside other organisations, Dogs for Wildlife, talking about dogs, how are they getting used, and trying to share knowledge, um, not be a competitive organization we're about collaboration we're about joint learning sharing experiences and actually trying to build a better world yeah yeah and two good partners to do it with in Bess and Buster oh absolutely 
Well, I do hope you enjoyed that. I found it absolutely fascinating. And I'm actually hoping that we can go back and talk to Grant later about the programme he mentioned in that interview, which is in Mongolia. Um, and although I'm always going to try and make sure that we're out in the field or the farm or the yard <laughs> or wherever these dogs are working, but I think also where there's some interesting work going on, uh, where dogs are completely integral to the effort, I am going to try and bring them to you. So... Have a wonderful month. I have got an incredibly exciting um, set of interviews coming up. We've got a lot of sniffer dogs coming into the summer uh, this year. I kind of feel like we have a run, don't we? We had lots of hunting dogs last summer and we've got lots of sniffer dogs this summer. But as always, I'm so keen to interview and meet and record with as many diverse types of working dogs as possible. So if you work your dog or dogs or someone you know does and you think that they would be good, to come on the show and talk about their dog. I would love, love, love to hear from them. Do leave us um, a uh, review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts if you're enjoying them. It all helps. And uh, if you want to get hold of me, you can get me on team at shineradio.uk with any suggestions, introductions, feedback. It's all very welcome. Have a wonderful month and I'll be back soon. Dogs with Jobs, presented by Kate Fairweather and produced with John Wellsman. Made by volunteers in Petersfield, this is Shine Radio. Oh, it's like being in a little family. Um, I love the community spirit. I like coming out to events like this. This is my first event with Shine. I'm honing in on my editing skills right now. I've been allowed free reign of the controls this weekend. And yeah, just learning loads of new skills, being able to broadcast, interview, it's really good. Petersfield's Shine Radio. You make it shine. Call Petersfield 555 500 or email team at shineradio.uk.